Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Have you ever committed a sin that brought great trouble into your life? Um, Have you ever committed a sin and then it was known and you, you felt really ashamed you know, because of what you had done and, you know, the fact that people know and see and people are hurt by it, maybe. Or maybe it's just that there are things in your life that you have done wrong that were sins and you look back on them and nobody knows. But you know, and you know, man, if it came out, I would be ashamed and I wouldn't know, you know, it could cause all sorts of problems and people get hurt and... uh, How do we deal with those things? First, how do we avoid getting in those situations? And then, how do we handle the times we're already in those situations where we have sinned and the problems have come? Well, in today's story that we're going to look at in the Bible, the true story about David, we're going to see those things. How do we avoid getting ourselves in those situations to begin with? And then how do we go forward? when we didn't avoid it. King David, uh, as we saw last week when we talked about David and Goliath, he bursts onto the scene just boom as a hero. King David shows up as a hero, don't you agree? That story, and he's kind of a hero of Israel from then on. So many ways, he's humble, he's respectful, he loves God. He, uh, the the Bible just describes him in so many, many positive ways. Um, And It's interesting to see how God describes David. In Acts chapter 13, and I think it's verse 22, he describes David as a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Man, wouldn't you like God to say about you that you you share his heart, you have a heart like him and you're surrendered to him. I I know, I know Walt, I know you guys, I I know that you'll do what I've called you to do. And, and God describes David this way. And, and we think of David in the history, we always we think of David as a hero. I think, you know, rightfully so. And yet, what we're going to look at today, David ends up in a really, really bad place because of his own sin. Very, very dark. And how do you escape it? How do you go forward? And it's, the story we're going to look at today is just a, a, a blotch on this otherwise glorious life. And by the way, I would say to you, it's one of the reasons that we, I think we can rely on the Bible, that the Bible will tell us what's really true. Because I guarantee you, if someone was making up a story about their hero of their nation, this story would not have been included. The fact that it is included tells us that God tells us the way it is and enables us to deal with it. So let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. See what the Lord has to say to us here today. Now, this is about 40 years after David has uh, confronted Goliath in the story we looked at last week. About 40 years later, David has now been the um, acknowledged king of Israel for the last 20 years. He's led God's people out in battle. He's done the things that need to be done. 
And now all of a sudden something changes. David's probably in his 50s at this point. So let's read. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, the one in the, the chairs there, we're going to be on page 360. Verse number one. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Now, the things that are being said in this verse are really key for us to understand how David got where he was. And, and when we see what happens in the rest of the chapter. This was a time when kings go out to battle. In other words, when, when uh, this time of year is when they would have to go out and fight their battles and kings went out and led their armies out. Do you remember how David described the armies of Israel? Remember what he called them? The armies of the living God. We're out there fighting these battles in the name of God. And it was David's time to go and to be out there leading his people. Not at the forefront of the battle, but to be out there with his troops, giving guidance, leading. But David doesn't go. For some reason, David says, I don't want to do it. And so he sends other people out to go. And he shirks his own responsibility in it. And it says, but David remained at Jerusalem. I remember last week when we talked about uh, how it was that David was able to accomplish such a, an amazing thing when it came time to fight uh, Goliath. And, and we identified this principle that God will use your current responsibilities to get you where he wants you to be, when you need to be there, and prepared for what you'll need to do there. Remember we saw how that worked in David's life. He was faithful in those responsibilities. And now we see him not being faithful in his responsibilities. Doesn't seem like a big thing, right? Nah, I'm just not gonna go this time. There's a flip side to this principle, and this is it. When you are unfaithful to your current responsibilities, you'll end up where you're not supposed to be. When you're not supposed to be there, unprepared for what you'll face there. By the way, do you understand how this begins to make your life very significant? What has God given you to do in life? What are the responsibilities that you have that are good and right that God has entrusted to you? You need to be faithful in them because when you set them aside, it will not go well for you. So let's read on. So we see the timing factors here in verse, the, verse one. At the time when kings go out to battle, when it was that time, David remained at Jerusalem. Verse two, then it happened one evening. Do you see how this is working? David is not out leading the battles. He's not fulfilling his responsibilities. He's being unfaithful to his responsibilities. And because he's unfaithful to his responsibilities, he's finding himself where he's not supposed to be at a time when he's not supposed to be there. And it creates all sorts of problems. Verse two, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So let's, let's just stop right there. Uh, show you a couple things that will help you to envision what's going on here. So this is the topography of Jerusalem, okay? The hillsides are built like that. Can you see already that obviously you, from up above, you can see down on top of the others, okay? Well, they've done archaeology as to where David's palace was. And this is the view from here. You can see down the hill 
down into the other places and houses. And this is a model of what they think the David's palace looked like with the, the houses on the hillside. So if David was up here on the roof, he could certainly see down onto the houses. And this next picture is just an idea of seeing him standing over there looking out. And in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. But because he wasn't where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, he ends up somewhere where he shouldn't be at this time. So let's, let's read on. Oh, by the way, I should say, the Bible never gives us any sense that Bathsheba was doing anything wrong, all right? Uh, just the nature of things. This is at night. My sense is it's after dark. Um, and it, the, it can get very, very hot there. And so people would sometimes go up on the roofs in the cool of the evening, enjoy it. And she, she's up there in the, at night bathing herself. And in a normal situation, you know, at night, dark, nobody's going to see her up there. It's only because of where David is that he's able to see. And so she has never faulted anywhere in the scriptures. Did she have some fault? I don't know. But the Bible doesn't ever say that. And so we shouldn't attribute any to her. Verse 3. So David is seeing her. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And Uriah the Hittite, David knows this man because he's one of his special soldiers, one of his guards, you might say. Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And that phrase, cleansed from her impurity, has to do with uh, Jewish customs and rituals uh, for the woman's monthly cycle, how that was observed. This means two things. This means that she was not pregnant. It's very evident that she was not expecting a child at this point. Secondly, this is putting her into a time uh, where she is most likely to conceive. Okay, that's what that phrase would tell us. All right, so there's a downward progression here. Do you see it? So here's David. He's not where he's supposed to be, so he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And because of that, he's confronted with something that he never should have been confronted with, shouldn't have run into. And what we see David doing is looking at what was not his to look at. By the way, Seeing something is not a sin. Man, don't we see things all the time in our world, and our culture? You go, oh, I, I didn't need to see that. You know, that wasn't a good... Seeing is not a sin, but choosing to look is. And David is very definitely in this story looking, okay? And so he looks at what is not his to look at. He begins to contemplate what is not his to con contemplate about uh, he begins trying to learn things that are none of his business to learn. He, he, he abuses, excuse me, he uses authority in a way that abuses his authority. And he ends up committing this terrible sin with Bathsheba. It's a downward progression. And, and um, we think of, of this, this huge sin Adultery. But I want to know, where did David's sin start? I would suggest you that David's sin started when he didn't go do what he was supposed to do. That's a little sin, isn't it? David's sin started when he, continued when he looked, when he shouldn't have been looking, when he contemplated, when he shouldn't have been contemplated, when he started looking into, getting more information. All of those things, in and of themselves, they don't sound like a big deal. But that's where this sin started. It didn't start with adultery. It ends in adultery. And, and it gets worse from that. All right, so David 
you know, she's gone home. David is, is, who knows what's going on in his heart and mind. I think he's hardening his heart, as we're going to see. Then verse number five, it says, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Oh, man, can you imagine for her, you know, a few weeks go by, a month, whatever, and all of a sudden she realizes, you know, maybe she gets a little sick. Who knows? But she realizes and she sends word to the king. Can you imagine? There's a kick in the gut, isn't it? You know, you thought you got away with it. And then this comes out. Well, you need to understand something. It's a real important lesson to get. You never get away with sin. You never get away with sin. Doesn't matter if anybody else knows it. You know it. God knows it. You do not get away with it. And, and um, here's what goes on. So you say, yeah, I know I've sinned. And, and the idea is you're allowing it. You aren't addressing it. You aren't dealing with it. It's in your life. Sin, maybe it comes and goes, comes and goes. And, but you aren't really fighting it. It's there in your life. And nobody knows. And it's just a little thing. Well, here you are. And, and sin, when it's like this, here comes the sin in your life. Sin affects how you think. When you're rationalizing sin, it's affecting how you're thinking. It begins to affect how you perceive what's going on in the world around you. It begins to affect how you interrelate with the people that you have relationships with. It begins to affect your ability to, to relate freely with God. I mean, it's just this, this snowballs, right? But it's just a little thing, just a little thing. Well, and so it, it, that takes you just a little bit off course in your life. And then it keeps taking you a little bit off course in your life. And if you're a little bit off course for a long time, how far off course are you? A long ways. You end up a long ways off course. And that's exactly what happened with David here. Now, another thing we want to understand from this is this. Your smallest sin is your biggest problem. Your smallest sin is your biggest problem. Let's think about David. Here's, and this is this, this um, I can't think of the word, progression. Here's the progression. Here he is over here, and it's time to go out to battle, to lead the people out to battle. If the battle needs to be fought, David needs to be the king and go out there and lead it. And he chooses not to do that. And so he, he takes a step in a sinful direction. Now, way over here is adultery. And I know you guys have seen me talk about this before. Bear with me. You need to remember it. It needs to be with you, this lesson. So way over here is adultery. Did he start with adultery? He did not start with adultery. He starts with this decision not to do what is his, he's supposed to do. And it puts him in a bad place. And now here he is. Because he's not doing what he's supposed to do, all of a sudden now he sees something that he shouldn't have seen. And he just, well, he, he looks. It's not a big deal, right? It's just a little thing. And then he contemplates. And then he does some research and looks into it. Yeah, just we'll relax here for just a moment, okay? <laughs> there we go. We're cool. This, this happens and they, you know, know how to deal with it. And we're glad that Hannah's here. Right. So let's think. Not responsible. Looking at what he shouldn't have looked at. Contemplating what he's not supposed to contemplate. Now he's looking into it. 
He's, you know, gathering information and now he's acting on that information and bringing her to him. And, and I don't know what he's thinking the whole time, but then here he is in adultery. Well, how big of a step was it to get into adultery? How big of a step? It was what, only one more step. And so it is, this starts with this small sin over here. And so that's what I'm trying to tell you. Your smallest sin is your biggest problem. You need to view it that way. This is where you must fight the battle. And it will be a battle. The Bible says that sin easily besets us. I mean, it, anybody besides me ever found it's easy to sin? It's easy to sin. And so we do it. And, but we, man, we need to fight it. We need to confess. We need to turn back. We need to make changes in our lives. And, and so here we are fighting this battle. But you better fight this battle and recognize that these little sins are my biggest problem. And if I do not fight this battle, I will end up someplace over here. And so will you. You don't want to do that. Your smallest sin is your biggest problem. Fight it there. All right. Let's continue the story here. Verse number six. Then David sent to Joab, the commander, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. David has hatched a plan here. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and, and wash your feet. What's David got in mind, right? Hey, while you're back, go home, visit your wife. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. He even sends him a nice dinner. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come home from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? This, you're messing up my plan here. And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, you know, out on the battlefield. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul is, I will not do this thing. He is going to be honorable and true to his companions who are out in battle. He's not going to come home and just enjoy himself. Verse 12, then David said to Uriah, wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he, David, made him drunk. And at evening, he went out to lie on his bed at the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. So David tries to get him drunk so that he'll lose his inhibitions and maybe not think as honorably, and he'll head home and solve this problem for David. But he didn't. So David's heart turns even more in the wrong direction. Verse 14. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab, remember the commander of the armies, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He gives Uriah this sealed letter to take to the commander, and he does. Verse 15. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down. You get it, right? Put him where he... The battle's tough, pull away from him and let him get killed. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. 
Okay, and there's more in the story here that tells how they came back and told David. But David has worked his plan. Now Uriah is dead. And so David can now bring Bathsheba to him and marry her. Verse 26, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The whole thing, right, that David had done displeased the Lord. You know, our sins, like I said, we think we get away with them, but they're unknown to anybody, but they're known to us, which affects us, but they are also known to God. And God will deal with them. What did David deserve? What did David deserve? What, what was the penalty under the law for adultery? Right, it was, it was being put to death. What was the penalty for murder? Death. This is what David rightly deserved from God. And, and so God comes and confronts David. He sends the prophet Nathan who speaks to the Lord and, and uh, just reveals David's sin. And now there's no way to hide from it. And we see David's response in chapter 12 in verse 13. Let's look. So David said to Nathan, to the prophet who had just revealed all this, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. David is broken. His heart is broken. We're seeing once again the heart that he had before, and he's broken. I've sinned against the Lord, not just against people, but against God. In fact, in, in this, one of the Psalms, when he talks about it, he says, it's, it's all consuming that I sinned against you, God. It's like I didn't sin against anybody but you. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Wow. God forgives him. And, and just let me say, you know, we talked about little sins and big sins, and I, I need to clarify, little sins, the, when it comes to a, offending a holy God, there's no such thing as a little sin. Every sin is a sin that offends a holy God. Every sin separates you from God, you know, and that's why Jesus died for all those sins to, you know, make reconciliation for us. But in life, there are little sins and big sins. There are sins which don't seem to have a huge impact in life, that, although we've talked about, they do impact us. And then there's these big sins, right? That just devastate relationships and reputations and, and uh, all sorts of things. And so we see here God forgiving David who has committed not only the small sins, but the really big sins. David says, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, a wrong way of thinking about this is we'll say, well, of course God forgave David because he admitted he was wrong. And should we admit we're wrong? Should we? Should we confess that we're wrong? Confess that's what confessing to God is. That was wrong. I shouldn't be in my life. Um, But I want you to think about this. The fact that you admit that you were wrong, does that make you less guilty? It's not a trick question. I'm really not trying to trick you. 
Admitting that you were wrong does not make you less guilty. In fact, if anything, it increases your, your level of guilt. Because if somebody were actually able to say, wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that, I'm so sorry, right? Well, there's probably some grace gonna show up in that. But the person who says, yeah, I know, I did it. I know it, I know it was wrong, I did it. Now, really, if anything, you've increased your sense of guilt because you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. And so what you find is that admitting it earns you nothing. And I'm focusing on that word earn. This is not like some form you can use. Well, if I'll just admit it, then, you know, I'll be okay. God will take care of this. No. Because by admitting it, and we need to admit it, but by admitting it, what you're saying is, yes, I am guilty and I am worthy of God's judgment. I am guilty, I am worthy of God's judgment. David was guilty and worthy of God's judgment and there was nothing he could do to earn his forgiveness to fix it. And what does God do? He forgives him. Because see, that's where God wants us to get, to the place where we realize we are lost, so lost, and can't fix it. And it's there that when we open up ourselves to him and trust him that he does that work, forgives us every sin, how many of your sins did Jesus die for? How many? All of your sins, every one of them. He died for all of them. And we are all guilty and all worthy of judgment, all worthy of going to hell. And we need to understand that. And from time to time, we really need to remember that. That is what we are worthy of. That's what we have earned with our lives. Little sins, big sins, doesn't matter. That's what we've earned. And, and so I thought about that this week and I wrote down these words. I said, my sin stained God's heart and yet he has forgiven me. And by stained God's heart, I don't mean that they corrupted him in any way with sin or all that. What I mean is my mess touched him. My mess affected him. And yet he has done what it took to forgive me. This forgiveness is amazing. And it's, it's not just forgiveness from before you're saved, it's forgiveness after you're saved, it's forgiveness. Because Jesus died for all of your sins. And the scripture says this, I, I just kind of took a bunch of verses and sort of mashed them up in no particular order. The scripture says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Would you go ahead and go to that there? His great love with which he loved us. While we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. He forgave all our sins. And he says, I will never again remember their sins. Your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? And man, we need to remember it and be humbled by it and grateful because of it. And, and understand something, that if you find yourself in life and you have sin, and it's what we were talking about now, you know, whether it's known to others or not, it's a huge sin, you, you are ashamed of it. There are consequences in your life and maybe in the lives of others because of it. And because of what Jesus did, you are for forever forgiven. 
And so because you're forever forgiven, your relationship with God is forever secure. Forever secure. Now, the danger here is to think, oh well then, if I sin big, oh well, right? Because what? God forgives me and he will forgive me. And so it's not that big a deal. Oh no, it is a big, big deal. God forgave David, but I want you to show you what happens here. Let's look in chapter 12, verse 10. This is what God through Nathan tells David. He says, now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. Or, yeah, you snuck around and did this at night. What's going to happen in your life is going to be seen by everybody. Verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And, and this child does die. And this child goes to heaven. Uh, so the child is not harmed here in that sense. Uh, but David is, and Bathsheba is, everybody in his life is. <laughs> is David getting away with it? Everything's cool because he's forgiven? Oh no, he is forgiven. And so three things I want you never to forget. Never forget these three things. The first one is this, you never get away with sin. Never forget it. Whether it's only known to you and God or others, there are consequences in your life because of it. Remember that the next time you are tempted, whether it's just not fulfilling responsibilities or some other thing, a thought, a word, an attitude, an action, you don't get away with it. It's, it's, it's harmful. So fight the battle not to. Second thing is your sins are forgiven. Never forget that. Your sins are forgiven. And we've already talked about that. But here's something else that I want you to understand. Because here you are in this mess. You've sinned against God. And like I said, whether everybody knows it or not, there are these ripples going out from it. People are being hurt. You're being affected. And, and it's just terrible. You are ashamed or you would be terribly ashamed if it was known. Here you are. And it affects. You feel like giving up. What hope is there for me, Right? My life is so messed up and who am I? I mean, I'm the sinner. I'm the one who caused this. Well, not only are your sins forgiven, you are forgiven for sinning. You are forgiven. God not only takes away the penalty for sin, he restores you and works in your life. And, and the interesting thing here is that here you are the one who sinned, the one who has caused all of these problems in your life that you now have to deal with, and the God you sinned against will walk with you through those things. Is that forgiveness or what? It's huge. And David, for the next 16 years of his life, all hell breaks out in his life because he has uh, 
Four of his sons get killed in less than honorable circumstances. Uh, one of his sons rapes one of his daughters. Uh, one of his sons kills another son. Uh, another son rebels against him, tries to take the kingdom from him. And then his, and he ends up losing his life. And David's, uh, another son, was David is about to die and is passing the kingdom on to Solomon. Works treachery and tries to steal the kingdom and puts Bathsheba and Solomon lives at risk. I mean, it's, it's a mess. But David, through all this, now once again walks through life as a man after God's own heart. The consequences are there. But God has forgiven not only his sins, but forgiven him. And he's with him. What kind of amazing forgiveness is this that God gives us? And it's a forgiveness that leads us not to say, oh, well, then it doesn't matter. Sin does matter. By the way, do you think David and Jerusalem and Israel would have been better off had David not done this? Do you know that God can work through right choices too? I mean, he'll take our wrong choices and work in our lives and grow us and, and use it. But man, he can work through the good and right choices too. And that's what we need to do. We need to avoid the sin. But then when we don't, we need to remember just how forgiven we are so we can go forward and do right now. And so that's this little phrase I want to leave you with, that you're wholly forgiven, so go do some holy living. Because you're right with God, he's forgiven it all. Let that motivate you to do what's right. To do what's right, right now. Well, let's bow our heads, and Dan, I'm going to ask you to come back up if you would. Let's bow our heads and, and think about this a little bit in our lives. Is there sin in our lives that we might categorize as a little sin? Are there things there that we aren't really fighting the battle on? We just kind of, yeah, they're there. Or maybe even there's something bigger than that, and it's there in your life. Boy, it is crucial right now, if, if, if that's for you, that you admit this to God. Like Dave, David said, Lord, I have sinned against you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. Is there anything like that right now? Just open up your heart to God and have an open, honest discussion with And whatever it is needs to happen, that re-surrender commitment to fight the battles of the, the smallest sins before they become our big problems, or whether it is to admit, confess, and turn away, and then let Him restore you. Either way, we need to turn our thoughts to the Lord and what He did for us on the cross. So, Father, we open our hearts to you now and ask you to do the work that only you can do, and we're going to trust you to do it. I pray this in Jesus' name. So let's stand together again and sing, Lead Me to the Cross. Lead me to the cross where 
love poured out bring me to my knees lord i lay me down rid me of myself i belong to you oh lead me lead me to the cross Dismiss, go live holy lives, and let God's forgiveness change you forever.